Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my new upcoming totally free live masterclass titled the most common legal and tax mistakes at each stage of business and how you can avoid them. On this masterclass, you'll learn whether it's time for you to go from a sole proprietorship to an LLC or from an LLC to an S Corp, or if you have an S Corp, how you can make sure that you're running it correctly. You will also learn how to get more profitable in a snap and put your taxes on autopilot, as well as how to make sure you're owning the CEO role in your business and managing the growth of your business without the fear that IRS hate mail or nasty lawsuits are gonna come your way. Also, at the end of the class, you'll officially be invited to join the spring 2021 class of Unfuck Your Biz. There will be a special bonus available only to those that attend the masterclass. So if you're curious about the program or know that you need to get a head start on avoiding these legal and tax mistakes we're going to talk about, join us at www.unfuckyourbiz.com where you can register. See you there. Well, hello there, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Brayden, your host, as always. For me, it's feels like it's been a little bit of a while since I've talked to you all. I know that's probably not the case for you if you're listening to the podcast every week. Um, but we have the past couple of weeks been re-airing some of our most popular episodes. And then the episodes before that I batch recorded like over a month ago. So I'm back in the game a little, a little, a little bit refreshed, recharged, um, took a little bit of a vacation to go home to Indiana and drive a U-Haul all the way up to California with my mom to move some furniture into our new house. So it's been very exciting And I'm very excited to be back here on the podcast with you. So on this episode, we're going to be taking a look at California's strict independent contractor laws, their most recent amendments and exceptions to the law, and also how this law is paving the way for changes on a federal level. So this episode is actually going to be the beginning of what I'm calling our hiring series. So back in January, actually, I think we started it in early December, We did like a full two month long series that I called like the money series, all about bookkeeping, finance, uh, all all sorts of money planning topics. And that went really well. People seemed to like it um, rather than kind of being like a hodgepodge of topics uh, every week, it being something new. Instead, I'm dabbling with this idea of doing things in series. So that way you can kind of get your feet wet on a specific topic and a deep dive one month. Maybe we'll debrief for a couple of weeks, uh, do some different different types of content, and then circle back on a new topic. So here in the month of, well, the end, end of May into June, we're going to be doing four to six weeks in the hiring series. So if you're liking this, let me know. If you would like some different types of series, let me know what you would be interested in hearing. Send me a DM on Instagram. All right. So first things first, before we dive into this topic, I want to address one kind of issue up front. You might be thinking, if you're not a California-based business, you might be thinking, Brayden, I'm not in California. Why do I give a shit about this podcast episode? And here's why. 
California passed this law. I'm going to go into it in detail uh, in a few minutes, but it kind of paved the way for independent contractor laws nationwide. And currently, like at our federal Congress, the House has already passed a bill called PRO Act, P-R-O, I think it's either a space or a hyphen, I'm not sure, A-C-T, so the PRO Act bill, PRO Act law. And it's being debated in the Senate. So I'm not totally sure where in the process they are with it, but really they're going to have to make some changes to get it through the Senate. It's probably not going to make it through as is. If we get closer to this law being passed, I will do another podcast episode with more specific information about it. But what I want you to know right now is this law that we're going to be discussing that's really highly relevant to us in California. It's kind of leading the way for other laws in other states. Some other states have already passed similar laws and specifically the Democrats in Congress are hoping to pass it at a federal level. So will it get passed exactly as is at a federal level? Probably not, probably not with this Senate. There are still too many Republicans to make it happen in the current Senate, most likely but they could tweak it and get it passed or potentially pass it in future years. So even if you don't need to dive in and know like exactly the rules, I want you to be aware of this law either way. So what I'm going to do now is I actually wrote a pretty comprehensive blog post on this law, and I'm going to be using it as our outline for the podcast. So kind of like kind of like a little bit of a story time, I'm going to read through it. um, But also, you know, take moments to pause and give you some more context as well. So why we care about this law, it's called AB5. By the way, if you've heard of AB5, that's what we're talking about. Why we care. Misclassification of employees as contractors is one of the most heavily litigated and high risk areas of law, particularly in California which is like a pro-employee, not pro-business state. Employees have a lot of skin in the game because being misclassified, so if you're misclassified as a contractor when you should be an employee, this affects your taxes. You're not having as many taxes withheld. You don't have someone paying taxes on your behalf. It affects things like disability, social security, vacation, and other employment benefits. And many, many contractors are intentionally misclassified by their employers. So employers will classify them as contractors when they really should be employees and the businesses do this to save money. And the courts are starting to crack down as well as the state. The state wants, think about it this way, the state, each state wants more and more people to be classified as employees Same with the IRS, because when someone is an employee, then their employer withholds their taxes for them. And also the state collects money in a lot of different in other ways. So contractors are more likely to kind of hide their income and not pay their taxes. So the state really likes it when people are classified as employees. So there's kind of multiple reasons why this has become a big deal. To stay in compliance and avoid lawsuits and penalties, it's very important as business owners that we stay on top of this law. Many creatives like yourself are in an odd position because the laws are starting to come down on large businesses who intentionally misclassify workers. And those laws have been drafted so broadly that they're also sweeping thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of small business owners into this new framework as well. So this kind of contractor issue all starts with this case called Dynamex. So back in April of 2018, it's kind of wild. I remember like when the case passed, it's already been three years. The Supreme Court of California wrote an 80-page opinion, lots of 
good fun in there. You can go read it all if, if you're particularly bored. But the, the case significantly reshaped the state's employment laws. Specifically, it restructured the framework that we use to determine whether a worker is an independent contractor or employee. And that framework that they provided is something that we call the ABC test. So under this ABC test, a worker must meet three criteria, parts A, B, and C, in order to be deemed an independent contractor. So part A, the worker must be free from the control and direction of the hirer. Part B, the worker must perform work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. And part C, the worker must be customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed for the hiring entity. So what does this mean? I'll break it down more in a second. First, we need to hammer home a very important point. So the ABC test is what like cool attorneys like myself call a burden shifting test. So under the old law, a worker was presumed to be a contractor. So this means if a worker wanted to sue their employer or if the state wanted to come after an employer, the assumption was that this worker was a contractor and it was the pursuing party. So like that worker's responsibility to prove that no, they weren't a contractor, they actually were an employee. So it was their responsibility to prove that. And anytime it's someone's responsibility to prove something, they have the burden to provide the evidence and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't have an ev enough evidence to back up your claim, then you don't win that argument. So you do not want the burden of proof in any kind of lawsuit, essentially. But this is a burden shifting test. So what that means is now, and this is the really scary part, now a contract or a worker, I should say, is presumed to be an employee. And if you have a legal issue as a small business owner, you, it is then your responsibility to prove with evidence that they are actually an independent contractor. So if at this point you're thinking, oh shit, Braden, that is the correct response, particularly if you're in California or another state who's implemented this ABC test. And this is why we really need to get it together. So hopefully um, I've like sufficiently scared you at least enough to want to learn what these ABCs are really all about. So we're going to start with parts A and C. I'm going to dive into those a little bit more because they're relatively more straightforward. They're less problematic than part B. So part A, this part looks at the right of control and it's similar. It's a, a similar analysis to our old law, the Borello test. Um, I might, maybe I should do a podcast episode on the Borello test. Let me know if you want a podcast episode on that. Um, I'm also going to be writing a separate blog post on that. But really, this looks into like how much you have, how much control you have over the worker. If they're relatively independent, you're probably good. There are a lot of factors there as well. Part C is most easily explained by an example. So if I, an attorney, contract with someone to take my brand photos, that contractor must be in business as a photographer. So remember, part C says the worker must be, quote, customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed by the hiring entity. So the same goes for one photographer who contracts with another photographer to second shoot an event. The contractor 
the worker must be customarily engaged in the photography business. Basically, they don't want you like hiring someone who doesn't already do that thing in their own business, because then it looks more like an employee, because if they don't already do that thing, you have to hire them and train them to do that thing. All right, hopefully that makes sense. So part B of the ABC test is our problem part. This is the stickiest issue. And what part B essentially means is that you can't hire someone as a contractor if they do the same type of work as you. For example, if a photographer could not hire another photographer as a contractor, a graphic designer could not hire another graphic designer to assist them as a contractor, you get the picture. This is part B. And in the event industry, this has become particularly problematic because, you know, people hire day of assistance, but also really it makes any kind of subcontracting a problem. Like, the graphic design example. If you do full web design and you're starting to get booked out and you want to kind of offload some of that work on a friend that you have or a business contact who does the same type of work and you're going to pay them to do part of that work, well, you offer the same core service and you would therefore fail the ABC test. So at that point, we have to look into all of our exceptions. Before we get into those exceptions, though, and dig into this deeper, I want you to always remember this ABC test, because I think a lot of the time we just assume that like we can't have contractors at all. And people free, I see this in Facebook groups all the time, people freak out. And then they don't even realize, well, this is this isn't even a problem with the ABC test under even under the strictest law, you're fine. So example, like I online educator consultant, hire a brand photographer, I'm not a photographer, they have a brand photography business, I'm not controlling their work. They offer it as a package. That's kind of our classic independent contractor example. That's totally fine, right? You are a business coach. You hire a web designer to build your business. You're not in the same industry. You don't provide the same service. You are not controlling everything that they're doing. They're giving you a contract. They're telling you how they're going to do the work. It's totally fine. So these are the kind of things that we don't really have to worry about. But if we fail part A, the control part, part B, the same core service part, or part C, them being an, an already established kind of business doing that type of work, then we need to look into our exceptions. So this created a whole slew of kind of like mania in the state of California. It essentially shut down lots and lots of types of work. So there was a lot of a lot of anger and just lots going on. So what happened was the legislature in the state of California started to consider amendments and they got a lot of feedback um, and they ended up passing what they called the cleanup bill, which is AB, if you want to look it up, it's AB 2257. And this passed on September 18th, sorry, AB5 passed on September 18th, 2019, and went into effect on January 1st, 2020. So the beginning of last year. And then this cleanup bill went into effect a few months later. And if you've been in my Facebook group for a while, you may have seen I had a little bit of a like a Twitter spat with Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who drafted the bill, and we kind of went back and forth. You can go check out my blog post. I actually posted all the screenshots of our Twitter conversation, but that resulted in me uh, sending her a five-page letter with my thoughts on how AB5 could be updated and improved to help creative small business owners in California. Um, I'm sure that she got a lot of feedback from a lot of people. I never got a response from her, but many of the suggestions 
and complaints that I provided in my letter were actually addressed in the new law. So I'm not saying, I don't think she like sat down with my letter and was like, okay, we'll tweak it this way because Brayden said so. No, <laughs> no, I'm sure a lot of people had the same complaints and you know, the cleanup bill didn't solve all of our problems, but it did, it did solve a lot of them. So let's look into... I decided like when I outlined this blog post in this podcast episode, I'm not going to tell you like what the law was under the, under the original AB5 and then what the changes were and the cleanup bill. And like, you don't, you don't give a shit about the legislative history, right? That's not really relevant to you all. Instead, I'm looking at both of these laws comprehensively. And now I'm going to kind of break down by industry, what the current exceptions are for you. So I'm going to start by talking about event professionals. Then we're going to talk about other professional services, marketing professionals, fine artists, beauty professionals, um, and so on and so forth. So this is going to be a little bit intense, but get out your notebook and, and join along. So now between AB5 and our cleanup bill, we have a specific carve out for event professionals. And this was really a huge a huge area. Like personally, I, I prayed to RuPaul for some comprehensive carve outs for event professionals in the cleanup bill. And the state kind of came through, which was good in AB 2257. Event professionals now have an exception to AB 5, meaning they are exempt from that ABC test. If the purpose of the agreement between the hiring entity and the worker is between two businesses for, and I quote, a single engagement event. So the law, under this law, it defines a single engagement event as a standalone, non-recurring event in a single location. So a wedding, right? Like a wedding would be a standalone, non-recurring event in a single location. Most events would fit this criteria. Or a series of events in the same location for no more than one week. So that would be, you know, like a business conference, right? You go to a business conference. It's at a hotel for five days. That is a series of events in the same location for no more than one week. So hot tip, hot, hot tip for everyone. If you're going to plan some sort of conference, make it less than a week so you can meet these event professional exceptions. But uh, in addition to being a single engagement event, event professionals must meet eight, eight additional requirements to meet this exception. So for context, what we're talking about here is photographer hires a second shooter for an event, right? Whether it's a wedding, whether it's a corporate event, whatever, business conference, retreat. This is a single engagement event. And this is something that would normally fail the ABC test because they're both providing the same core service. That does not, that does not pass the ABC test because it fails part B. So these event professionals can look at this event professional exception under the law but they have to meet these eight additional requirements. So one, neither individual is subject to the control and direction by the other in connection with the performance of the work, both under the contract for the performance of the work and in fact. So this is our control test, right? You have to have some certain freedom of control. Each individual has the ability to negotiate their rate of pay with the other individual. So you can't just provide set rates. Three, the written contract between both individuals specifies the total payment for services provided by both individuals at the single engagement event and the specific rate paid to each individual. So you have to have an independent contractor agreement. This is super important. If you need one, I sell one on my website, post in the Facebook group. If you have any trouble finding it, we'll direct you there. And this 
agreement must have specific rates in it. Four, each individual maintains their own business location, which may include the individual's personal residence. So this is kind of a silly requirement, but really it just means that like you can't have a work location where the contractor is like coming to your work location every day. You each have your own home offices that can include your couch. That's totally fine. Five, each individual provides their own tools, vehicles, and equipment to perform the services under the contract. So you shouldn't be providing all of their equipment. Again, with our, our photography example, if you're hiring a second shooter, they need to have their own business. They should have their own camera. If you toss them like one lens to borrow for a few shots, that's probably okay. But they should, for the most part, have all of their own stuff. Six, if the work is performed in a jurisdiction that requires an individual to have a business license or business tax registration, then the individual has the required business license or business tax registration. Again, this highlights why we only want to work with established business owners. I actually highly recommend that if you are working with contractors, that you start getting a copy of their business license when you hire them, along with their W-9 and their contract. Seven, each individual is customarily engaged in the same or similar type of work performed under the contract, or each individual separately holds themselves out to other potential customers as available to perform the same type of work. So context example, again, if you're hiring a second shooter, they should already be in business as a photographer. And even if they don't already have other clients, they should at least be marketing themselves uh, as a photographer to other clients. Really. Um, Side note here, what's happening with a lot of these exceptions is they're, they're still requiring you to meet parts A and C of the ABC test. If you really think about it, I don't want to overcomplicate here, but A was the control test and C was that they're like already doing that thing in their business. So a lot of these exceptions are really just, they're really just solving that issue with part B that we talked about above. I, I hope that helps. So really you're pretty much always going to have to meet A and C and then like a slew of other exceptions to like get out of part B basically. So requirement number eight under the event exception is that each individual can contract with other businesses to provide the same or similar service and maintain their own clientele without restriction. So you cannot restrict any of your contractors from working and providing the same services for others. So it's a lot of requirements. There's eight of them, but these are all pretty doable. Like there's nothing here that's going to prevent most event professionals from meeting these requirements. You just, for lack of a better phrase, have to have your shit together to do it, right? Like you need to be hiring people who have their shit together, who have their business licenses, who's willing to sign a contract, who have their own gear. It's doesn't want you hiring people who don't know what they're doing, who are like just well, if they're just starting out, that's okay. But they need to be like starting out with a very clear intent to build their own photography business. If, you know, it's your cousin and you're giving them all the equipment and they don't really have a business license and you probably wouldn't want that person second shooting for you anyway until you've trained them, but that would be an employee. We don't want that. Okay, so we talked about event professionals. The biggest takeaways for you here um, is that, like I said, you want people who have an established business. And if you want more help making sure you're meeting all these requirements, I have a freebie on my website called the Contractor Compliance Framework. Um, if you go to my blog, bradendrake.com forward slash AB5, you can sign up for it. But I, you can also find it at www.bradendrake.com forward slash framework. We'll link it in the show notes as well. 
So go check that out. There's like a checklist that will help you navigate all this a little bit more easily. So then we have our professional services exception. And with this, there's a whole group of service providers that fall into their own category of exceptions. And AB5 refers to these as professional services. Personally, I hate the name. It's confusing, but we got to roll with it. So first, you have to determine if you qualify as a professional service provider. I expand on that um, in the blog post. I'm not going to go through each of these, but in the blog post, I highlight the different industries uh, under the professional services exception. Some professional services like graphic designers have no details on like what qualifies as a graphic designer. Other professionals have a list of qualifications. If you meet those qualifications, you must then meet six additional requirements as outlined below. So I'm going to give the example for photo and video professionals. So first note that many and photo and video people will qualify for the event pro exception that we just talked about. So if you qualify for that one, then you're fine. But if you're hiring someone on a more ongoing basis, then you'll look at this exception. So uh, this is a quote directly from the law. Still photographers, photojournalists, videographers, and photo editors are exempt from the ABC, ABC test so long as the contractor works under a written contract that specifies the rate of pay and obligation to pay by a defined time as long as the individual providing the services is not directly replacing an employee who performed the same work at the same volume for the hiring entity. And then the second part, the individual does not primarily perform the work at the hiring entity's business location, notwithstanding paragraph one of subdivision A, and the individual is not restricted from working for more than one hiring entity. So what does this mean? If you're hiring, uh, if you're a photo or video person and you're hiring a contractor to help you and you fail the ABC test because they're both providing the same core service, you have an exception so long as you have a written contract, you're specifying how much you're going to pay them. That person is not directly replace, replacing an employee who performed the same work, and you're not doing the work primarily at their business location. So if you meet, the, this is why this is really confusing. If you meet those requirements, then all that means is that you are meeting the requirements of a photo and video professional under the law, but then you still must meet the six additional requirements for professional service providers, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So other uh, defined professionals are marketing professionals, fine artists, um, beauty professionals have their own whole carve out. And then there are they define professional service providers as freelance writers, graphic designers, content contributors, payment processing agents, and the list goes on. So some of these people have no additional requirements other than these six requirements that I'm about to share with you. And some of them like the photo and video folks do. So you wanna look into this very specifically based on your industry. So now what are these six requirements for professional service providers? So if you met those ones that we talked about above, the example with the photo and video people, then you still must meet these six additional requirements, which are similar to the eight that we mentioned before. So one, individual maintains a business location, uh, which may be the individual's residence. And I'm just going to kind of blow through these because otherwise this could be a three hour long podcast. Again, go to the blog post for all of the very specific information. Two, if work is performed more than six months after the effective date of this section and the work performed 
and the work is performed in a jurisdiction that requires the individual to have a business license or business tax registration, the individual has that. Three, the individual has the ability to set or negotiate their own rates. Four, uh, outside of project completion dates and reasonable business hours, the individual has the ability to set the individual's own hours. Five, the individual's customarily engaged in the same type of work. And six, the individual customarily and regularly exercises discretion and independent judgment in the performance of the services. So again, for a full breakdown, check out the blog post and my free download as well. So we've talked about our event professionals, and now we've talked about professional service providers. Again, you must be deemed a professional service provider and then meet those six additional requirements. Now we have a whole series of people who are just totally exempt. So many licensed professionals are totally exempt from the ABC test altogether. These are often what we would think of as like, quote unquote, white collar professions. Uh, the following individuals are exempt from the test and they don't even have to meet those six additional requirements. So examples, insurance people, medical professionals, lawyers, of course, because they drafted the law, architects, engineers, private investigators, accountants, security brokers, investment advisors, direct salespeople, and weirdly, the last one is commercial fishermen. I guess they have a really strong lobby. I'm not sure. So if you are an accountant, for example, you don't really have to like fuck around with all those other requirements. You're just exempt from the ABC test altogether. Okay, Whew. it's a lot of information, everybody. I know, hopefully you're still hanging with me. So if you've gone through all of that and you're like, okay, great. I failed the ABC test with the particular contract I'm working with. I am not an event professional or I don't meet the event professional requirements. My industry is not listed as a professional service or if it is listed as a professional service, I did not meet the requirements under the professional service. And I also am not an exempt professional, not in one of those exempt categories. So your last, your kind of like last ditch effort is to meet what I call the business to business catch-all exception. So if you're a business hiring another business, then you can look to this exception. And there are 11 requirements. And what I want to let you know, though, is if you, if we went through, I don't, I don't think I want to go through all 11 of these because this is like already a dry enough episode, probably. I don't know. Let me know. But if we went through those eight requirements and then those six requirements and, and you were shaking your head at those, like, I can't, I can't meet those. You're not going to be able to meet the 11 business to business catch-all exceptions because they're just too strict. Um, let me just skim through them though. Okay. So Number one is, again, our control test. Um, number two, the business provider is providing services directly to the contracting business rather than to customers of the, of the contracting business. This one is our really tricky one. Okay, this is our really, really tricky one. The business service provider is providing services directly to the contracting business rather than to the customers of the contracting business. This is actually the specific requirement that I kind of like argued uh, about with the drafter of the original law, because my example was, let's say, um, and this was before we had a lot of these other exceptions. So at the time, like we didn't have a specific carve out for photographers. So if you hire a second shooter, this to meet the business to business exception, it said that you needed to provide services directly to the person hiring you, not to the customers or clients of that person. If you're taking photos of the, of the couple, like on the wedding day, and then you're giving those photos to the person hiring you, who 
who are you providing services to? Like, it's, it's kind of hard, like, it's kind of hard to tell, right? You're taking pictures of the couple. Is that you providing services to them? Or you're taking the photos and handing them over to the person hiring you. So you're providing services to that person. It's unclear. My other example that I gave was, let's say you're a hair and makeup artist and you hire a couple of friends to come and help you like on an, on an event day, on a wedding day, whatever. And they are, like putting hair and makeup on other people. Like at that point, you can't really argue that they're providing services to you. They're like literally touching the other person, like your client's hair and their makeup. So you would fail this prong of the test, which is, in my opinion, ridiculous. So a lot of our other exceptions that we've already talked about address this because they don't have this requirement. But if you're under the business to business exception, this is one that you have to meet. Um, part three, again, is our written contract requirement. Uh, requirement number four for the B2B exception is our business license or tax registration requirement. Uh, number five is our business location requirement. So you, as I mentioned, a lot of these are very similar to the requirements in the other exceptions. Six uh, is our customarily engaged in an independently established business requirement. Seven, the business service provider can contract with other businesses to provide similar services. Eight, the business service provider advertises and holds itself out to the public as available to provide the same or similar services. So they need to be advertising and marketing themselves as a professional providing the services that you would be hiring them to provide. Um, number nine, consistent with the nature of work, the business service provider is using its own tools and equipment. Number 10, the business service provider can negotiate its own rates. And number 11, consistent with the nature of work, the business service provider can set its own hours and location of work. So if you noticed, the key language with that one is consistent with the nature of work. Um, again, if we use events as an example, A, you want to look and see if you meet the event exception. But then if you're looking at the business to business exception, something like an event, you're telling them like the event is from, you know, two to 10, like that's when the event is, that's when you got to be there. That is consistent with the nature of work. That's okay. But if I'm hiring someone like my virtual assistant and they have a set amount of tasks they need to get done per week, I'm not telling them like what hour of the day they need to do that work. It just needs to be done by a specific deadline. So the nature of that work doesn't require that they do it at a specific time. So that's how you look into that. So what if you don't meet any of these tests or requirements? You don't meet the ABC test. You don't fall into one of the exemption categories. You don't meet the professional services exception or the business to business exception. What then? Well, then your workers are going to need to be hired as employees. So I would definitely consult an employment attorney like stat for some advice, particularly if you already have a lot of contractors and you think you're going to run afoul of this. Um, but also you might be looking through these and you might say, well, this person definitely could qualify as a contractor, but I need to do X, Y, and Z to really, you know, get my shit in tip top shape. That's going to be likely for a lot of you. Like you might be working with people 
any rallies you can meet these exceptions, but you need to make some updates. I actually have, um, I'm going to be creating like a small course. I haven't really started marketing this, but a small course called Unfuck Your Hiring, where I teach you specifically these requirements that you need to meet. I give you that kind of like the contracts and things and some tips on onboarding your contractors. So you can stay tuned for that. Um, I'll be announcing it like within the next month, most likely. It's going to be a pretty, like a pretty small course, like maybe one to two hundred dollars the first time I launch it. So if you want some more help, you can stay tuned. Meanwhile, if you have any questions, make sure you're in my free Facebook group, Braden's Besties. You can go to Braden's no apostrophe.com and it will redirect you there, post questions in there. We'll get some dialogue started. And I also do free Q&As every Friday. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Next podcast episode, the next few episodes are going to be a little bit more practical. I'm going to be giving tangible tips to help you with this stuff. And if you've also been considering hiring employees or hiring contractors, I'll be doing uh, episode breakdowns on those as well. So I'll be interviewing some friends who've hired employees to share their processes with you. And I'll be giving my tips in addition to that. So thanks for tuning in. If you like the podcast, don't forget to share it with friends. It helps us grow and reach out to others. And I will uh, see you or talk to you back here on the podcast next week. Have a good one. Bye. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.